I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under a cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and they all ate of the same spiritual food and they all drank of the same spiritual drink for they were drinking of a spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased for he they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also crave. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. He does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Father, um, we come now to hear from you. We wish to seek your word, to seek your principles, to seek the power that spoke existence into being. And Father, I ask now that they hear not me, they hear but you. Father, the Spirit of the living God would instruct the souls of your people. And that, Father, the, the realization would come, uh, a life would come, a worthiness would be walked. And that your glory and your majesty would only be exalted in our lives individually and Lord collectively. Father, teach us this time. Mold us to the image of our Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, amen. We have been working our way through these 13 verses, and we're coming into verses 5 through 10, abuses of freedom. And, and what I want us to understand about this is that there's a word here, tope in the Greek, which means examples or patterns and we've been looking at this stuff because we need to pay attention to this verse 11 says they were written for our instruction that's key we men have a problem and i'm not unsure about the women but we men do have a problem when we get something we like to agonize and trying to put it together for several months at a time and then decide to finally go get the instruction books and get it done in usually about 10 or 15 minutes Lord God has given us an instruction book. And that's basically what 1 Corinthians is written for. It is dealing with personal holiness. Please understand this. It has nothing to do with you trying to teach somebody else how to be holy. This book only and solely deals with you. It is for you. It is not for your spouse. It is not for your children. Okay? It is not for someone you think you're going to date or someone you want to date. It's not for your mom and your dad. God is speaking to you. Don't sit there and let this thing go through. The such and such should have been here because they could have heard this. Nope. God said, you need to be here to hear this. 
And there's a reason why. 2 Corinthians deals with ministry. What does it literally mean to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? But let me tell you something. We see it all over the place today. People want to minister. They don't want to be holy. Jesus Christ says, you ain't going to do it. There's one plan. It's my plan. And you know what? I appreciate your opinions, but they mean the same as everybody else's opinion. Nothing. I have a plan. I'm going to perfect my plan. And he says, I want to show you some stuff. This thing really started in chapter 8. We'll conclude with verse 1 of chapter 11. But we've been looking at this, and in the last few weeks, we've looked at the book of Numbers. Last week, we looked at the book of Haggai because we stepped into that we would not crave evil things as they crave. And sometimes we have it in our mind, what is evil things? And I showed you in Haggai what evil things are, and they're not usually as evil as we seem to think they are. We need to remember verse 12. Let him, think who, let him who thinks he stands take heed. Okay, there becomes a confidence. Why? I've been through this many Bible studies. I've been in a church this many centuries, or oops, this many years. I've been saved this long. I've taught this class. I've been in the nursery. I've done this. I've run the sound equipment. You know what? I even came out on a day when no one knew it, and I cleaned the sidewalk. Okay? And we become confident in ourselves. We start thinking that, hey, you know what? I have all this gigabytes of information now. I'm ready. And he says, Israel came out of Egypt. And they believed they were ready. They were a witnessing community. We've already looked at their assets. They had assets. We have the same assets. We were slaves in a place where we had absolutely no ability whatsoever to get our freedom. And God freed us. Okay? And He gave us a freedom that is overwhelming. He gave us a freedom today that is mind-boggling. He gave us a freedom today that cannot qualify with any freedom that is known to humanity. And yet Paul says in that freedom, you better set your priorities. We've looked at these things over the last few months. And one of the things that happens is the limits of Christian freedoms is, is the warnings. We need to be aware. Why? There comes times when we think that we're ready, that I, 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 I can do this now. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here believe you have the capability of saving anybody? None. How many of you here believe you have the ability to make anyone holy? How many of us believe I have a plan to build the church? Okay, I shared with you a phrase last week. You need to hang on to it. The life of faith is lived at the point of desperation. Okay. Here's what is, is part of my, that never leaves my soul, my thinking processes, my attitudes very far. Okay, Hebrews 13 says that I must give an account for the souls that have been trusted to me. Okay, I literally will have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of the souls that he has given me. All right. You know what my first response to that text is? That ain't fair. I don't like that idea at all. 
Why? How many of you can I lead to salvation? Zero. How many of you can I change? Zero. Am I at a point of desperation or what? I mean, I have to give an account for your souls. And I can do nothing to change them. That's pretty desperate. That's pretty desperate. That's what Paul is trying to get across here. Is that there is the ability, if you come out of chapter 9, there is ability to become useless for God. There's an ability to be disqualified for freedom. He makes this statement, verse 27. You know what? I'm going to bring 26 into it. Therefore, summarizes what he's been talking about. I run in such a way. What way is that? My life of faith. I run in such a way, not without aim, not with uncertainty. I box in such a way that I'm not beating the air. Okay, literally what he's saying is, I am fighting in such a way that it's not shadow boxing. I have a target. I know how I'm going to accomplish what I'm going to do. And I'm going to beat this thing because of the plan. Why? I discipline my body and make it what? My slave. How many in this body right now are slaves to their bodies? Be careful before you answer it. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm not a slave to my... Really, when your body gets hungry, how long do you make it wait? When your body gets sleepy, how long do you make it wait? Okay? Husband, wives, how many times has the wife come in in the middle of the football game or golf game or whatever it is you're into, and she says, I need you to do this, and your first response is, you want what? (laughs) Okay? You're supposed to be submitted to me. (laughs) or something brilliant like that and you'd be the one with the black eye but uh, it's stuff like that that you bring your body into submission you want to see the life of Christ lived out it's simplistic the book of Philippians states this do nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition okay that's no problem I'm not you know I ain't got a lot going on to be boastful about anyway okay but in all humility no worries it's Sunday morning I'm feeling pretty humble okay consider others more important than yourself ooh what Who's others? That would be anybody that's not you. (laughs) And that's what Paul is getting at. Be careful that you don't abuse your freedom. Because see, in Christ, I have freedom. I don't need to listen to your rules and your regulations. the, The doctrines and traditions of men. But he says, you know what? If you don't take... And understand your personal holiness. Okay, please understand what holiness is. Holiness is set apart. Okay, if God is holy, he is set apart from what? All things. He's not like us. Uh, I had this discussion because uh, just, just this week with some people and they were talking about man's logic and how we can do this and we can do this. And, um, and then they asked me a question. And I said, in the beginning was the... Word. That word is logos. That is the logic. Okay? So anytime I hear man's being logical, I know it's absolutely against God. God's ways are only 180 degrees different than man's in anything. Absolutely anything. Okay? And anytime that it's not 180 degrees, then you and I have the ability to take credit for it, and God don't share his credit. God don't share his glory. 
So if it seems absolutely mind-boggling impossible, God's in it. Why? Because any other time, but I wouldn't do that really. Really. I'll never forget the day when I first learned the New Testament books. About nine hours ago. <laughs> okay. And, and I started to think, well, now that I finally got these downs, I'll try to learn the Old Testament books. Well, that's silly. They've got first and second, all kinds of things. Okay, and then they name women's names, and I always get that mixed up with people I run into. Is that an Esther or a Rachel? I don't remember. Anyway, so, so it, it hasn't got nothing to do with what you're going to accomplish. Personal holiness comes out of self-control and self-discipline. What I mean by those two phrases, if I'm going to be holy, first and foremost, I've got to want to be. I've got to want to be. I remember a friend of mine, I have a, what you call, some people call it checkered past. I think it's more plaid. But I remember a guy that I used to deal with who, had, who dealt with stolen property and some other things. And he came to the Lord, being used mightily for God. And he came to me, we were both, I was struggling, okay, I was, I was mad at God and Christians and just about everything else that had anything to do with religion. And he came to me one day and he said, I got to ask you a question, Terry. And I said, what's that? He says, remember when we used to party? And I said, yeah. He said, how much energy did you put into that? How much thinking preparation did you do? it? How much time consumption did you put into it? How much financial planning did you put into it? How much of you did you put into that lifestyle? And I said, well, I think I got my Ph.D. He said, what would happen if you put that same energy into Christ? How many of us put that much energy into that, into the things of God? Uh, How many? I watch a lot of people who study the Word of God because I got to. Okay, why? He even hit me in the head with a meteor or something. Because if I don't, my car blows up or my kids make my car blow up or something happens. Okay, house blows up. House and the kids of the car blows up. I don't know. But it's stuff like that you really got to pay attention to. I study my Bible to fall in love more and more. That's the only reason I study my Bible. Now listen, there's times in the study of the Word I teach. And I'm studying to teach. All right, that's part of my job. But bulk of my scripture study is I am wanting to know Him. That's it. Why? When I was dating my wife, now a lot of you guys won't admit to this, but I'll admit to it because you guys are just lying. But what's what you're doing? When I was dating my wife, I was consumed with getting to know her. Why did you go out on dates? I don't know. Why? Because you wanted to know them. You took them out to dinner because you wanted to know them. You wanted to spend time with them. Why? Because I wanted to know, where did you grow up? How many brothers and sisters do you have? What do you like? What do you dislike? You know, what's your favorite color? Da-da-da-da-da. You just go down the line. And we fall in love. Why wouldn't I do that with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's why I study Scripture. That's why I look at the book. And that's what we're dealing with here. Why? Because if I fall in love with him, the byproduct is personal holiness. My mind says, you know what? He can literally use me to effect 
the eternal destination of another person. That freaks me out. Then you step into the book of Corinthians. And the book of Corinthians says, okay, you've got your mindset here. You want to try to do this? All right. Now you have self-discipline. You have to be about this thing. And that's what he started with this. All right. But, you know, as I was... This is one of the first times ever in my life that I literally came on Sunday morning. I got two messages. All right. And I wrestled during the Sunday school hour with which one of these do you guys get? Okay, trust me, you will get them both. It's just not going to be at the same time. When we talk about Christian freedom, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? When I, when I say that I am free in Christ, what am I saying? And, 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 I, and I thought about this because... Um, I believe that I need to identify Christian freedom, at least the major points of Christian freedom. And there's some interesting stuff here because what we've been looking at is how to not cause another to stumble because of my freedom, but also that I don't use my freedom and get close to the edge. Remember my illustration, little boy fell out of bed? Okay. Did I stay close, so close to the edge that I fall over? I fall out of bed because there's some Christians who get free and then run right back to the edge of that freedom and find themselves useless for God. Okay? So I thought that I would take a time and and deal with Christian freedom. So I need you to go first of all to Romans. Uh, John chapter 8. Okay? Um, Where do I want to start first? I'll move around. You're going to need to know where eight's at, all right? He comes out of a dissertation in verse 28. Jesus, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father has taught me. And He who sent me is with me, and He has not left me alone, for I I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As... He spoke these things. Many came to what? Believe in him. Okay, now that's a key text because in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me, Paul says, just as I also am of Christ. Jesus said these things. If you continue in my word, then you are truly the disciples and you will know truth and the truth will what? Set you free. So how do I get this freedom? First, I need to believe. Okay? But if you go over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and this is amazing stuff because I see a lot of Christians wanting God to give them stuff, and it says this, chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now keep that verse because you're going to need that one. That one, there's a dandy. All right? Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, God has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and to the kingdom of his dear son. So part of my freedom, understanding my freedom is God's done this thing and there should be a radical change. Why? I'm coming out of darkness into a kingdom of light. I am coming out of a kingdom of lies into a kingdom of truths 
Why? Because God so loved the world that He sent His Son. Why? That He can show you light. That He can show you truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, He says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. God, Christ, the Holy Spirit are all involved in freedom. Okay? So when someone says, well, where does true freedom come from? I say the triune God. Okay? I mean, you need to understand something like this because you, you'll hear this verbiage today in America. I accepted Christ. Really? Did you? What makes you think he wants to be accepted? I mean, he seemed to really offend a lot of people his first time through. And this next time through, he's really going to offend a lot of people. But we have that. I have received Christ. I have accepted Christ. Really. For freedom, he has set you free. You must believe Christ. Listen, you believe in him. Please understand what I'm saying about that. It's not most of it. I hear people, it was argued in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, it was quote-unquote had this nickname, Lordship Salvation. Okay? Well, he has to rule your life and he has to do this and he has to, that's Lordship Salvation. Let me tell you something. 2,000 years ago, he became Savior. Do you know what he was before that? Lord. And you know what? As I read it, he don't really much care whether you receive or accept that at all. He is Lord. You don't make Him Lord. Alright? But you believe in Savior. And you get a package. Okay? You get Savior and you get that other thing. Lord. Paul in the left, 1 Corinthians says, You are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. What does that mean? You're not your own. Paul wrote the Roman church and he says, guess what? You used to be a slave to sin. You are now what? A slave of righteousness. Okay? But I have been freed. It has been granted by God to free us. We have put our faith in Christ. We are set free. So what is this freedom? What is it? I'll just give you some things that I just jotted down. First and foremost is you're free of the law. Okay? I am no longer a bondage to rituals and traditions. I don't have to. They don't overpower me. You know what the rituals and traditions that you see today are? It is an outward trying to reach to God. He doesn't want outward. He wants inward. Because if the heart is changed, then the outside changes. I see people put a lot of emphasis on rituals. Um, we're in the Baptist denomination and everybody's into, you got to be baptized. Listen, I agree. Emphatically, I agree. But I'm not as crazy about it as everybody else. I would rather the person know what they're going to do, why of that baptism than doing the baptism. Okay, we have the church membership thing. Well, I, I think I'm being led to be a member. Let me tell you something. You're saved. You are. 
Okay? If you're not saved, you're probably saying, oh, I'm trying to decide if I... Yeah, you're probably not saved. Same thing with baptism. People ask me about baptism. Let me tell you something. He says, be baptized. Okay? If you struggle with that obedience, wait till he deals with your pride. I mean, if you're dealing with the ordinance of baptism, if you're dealing with being in the church, you need to deal with who is he? Who is he? Because he is Lord and Savior. And he doesn't go around saying, well, what do you think about this? You suppose we ought to try this? He doesn't work that way. He never has. And yet we, no different than Israel, coming out into the wilderness, do the same thing. Do the same thing. Back to John's Gospel. 8. I want to pick up 31. It says here, saying to those Jews who had believed in him, okay, those who believe. All right, but what he says here, I, I, want us, I want us to look at this. It says, if you, if you've got King James, it probably says abide. Okay, the continue is a better translation. Why? Because that's what abide means. I continue, I remain. If you remain where? In my word. I don't like reading my Bible. Cool. What did you just say? That I'm not a disciple. All right? That's where that teaching, you've heard it, some of you have heard it, that you can be saved and not be a disciple. Really? We studied the Gospel of Matthew here in this church, and it concluded, it shows him in all of his royalty for 28 chapters and concludes with this. Go and make what? Of who? All nations. All right? So what does that mean? You got the ain'ts and the saints. Okay? He already warned them in the Gospel of Matthew. Many will call me Lord. Did we not even do great things? That's paraphrased. And what's his response? I don't know you. Why? You didn't remain. You didn't stay the course. Okay, now that's salvation. But it's possible as a child of God to be listed as an ignoble, a dishonorable vessel. I'm not convinced that Ananias and Sapphira ain't saved. Okay? And it's a drag is that everybody's going to know them. Forever. Oh, you're the ones. The property barons. Okay? But it's, it's stuff like that. Many believed in his name. If you continue in my word, you are my disciple. And you shall be free, he says in verse 32. That's amazing. The truth will make you free. How free will you be? It's free as Christ. It's free as Christ. Second. I'm free from the law. Okay? That's the ceremonies. The, 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 the stuff. Okay? I need to do this and this and this and this. You don't need that. You don't need the method. You don't need the religiosity that exists. Okay? But second, you're free from the curse. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. All right? I have been freed from the curse. There was a penalty for sin. Jesus Christ paid that. 
Anyone who would break the law is cursed. All right? That's the high holy law. Please understand that. Okay? I I watch people say, well, we need to get back to the Decalogue. No, we need to get back to number one. I don't need the Decalogue. All I need is number one. I shall have no other gods before him. Okay? Because you know what? If I got that thing right, the rest of it's a piece of cake. The rest of it's a piece of cake. Why? Do I love him? He hung in my place on that tree. He was the curse for me. He became a curse for us all that we might not be condemned. Why? I don't have the curse no more. It's not on me. It has no effect on me. I am free from the law, okay, the ceremonial rituals that men inevitably will pile on. We pile it on in everything. I was talking to some of these people this week, and they were talking about, you know, well, what about the new age, and what about this, and what about this stuff, and what about this stuff, and all the rest of it. I said, there's nothing new. New age was dealt with in 1 John. They call it Gnosticism in 1 John. It's all we do is change the names, and we think we come up with something. I watch people going back to the law. We need to go back to the law. What law? Well, we need to be doing this and this. And I said, you know what? PETA is going to be furious when you start taking the goats and the sheep and everything, cutting their throats and hanging them outside. Okay? You're going to, you go, oh, you're going to be in a mess. But I see people who want to do that. I see the liturgical church. The church that had, everything has symbolism. They light this candle, it means this, they light this, I wear this robe, I do this, I do this. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my goodness. Do you know why men of God can wear robes? Because they, they act like priests. That's where it comes from. Okay, and I'm not against you wearing a robe. If that's what you want to do, don't wear your house coat. But, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? It has this picture. Let me tell you something. Peter says we are all a royal priesthood. So we should all be wearing robes. Of course, then they're going to think you're a cult. <laughs> but, but see, we get so into that stuff that we've missed it. But also the one that I think that shines as bright as any that I see today in the church. I've been freed from the law, and I've been freed from the penalty of the law, the curse. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 says, I have been freed from the fear of death. Okay? You can go to a funeral and spot Christians and lost just like that piece of cake not only that if you've got somebody going through an illness their faith is going to shine or lack of is going to shine okay i mean i don't know about you guys there's some days i look forward more to it than other days some days i'm wishing that it was today i don't know maybe you guys don't have them kind of days but i have some of them days and i'm like i'm ready now okay um A Christian has been delivered from that fear. That fear has no, absolutely no power over a child of God. Impossible. A Christian should have absolutely no fear. Now listen, you may be afraid of pain. Okay, you may be afraid of the disease itself. Both of my parents right now have cancer. Okay? And you may be afraid of disease and the the disabling effect that it has, the illness, but there is no fear of death. My parents are not afraid of death. Death for a Christian 
only ushers us into the presence of God. Death literally takes our faith and lets it become sight. And I am free of that now. It doesn't bother me anymore. I have no fear of it. Um, Last spring, my daughter studied in the lands of Israel. And everybody says, are you? No. Absolutely no. I'm not afraid of that. I have no problem. Not only that, um, it looks like uh, March. This coming March, I'm going back uh, with a bunch of yahoos. (laughs) You need to pray about that one. Uh, Me and Wayne are going. Two rednecks in the Holy Land. I don't know. Arafat's dead. We might be able to get out of there. But (laughs) anyway, but it looks like that I'm supposed to go back. And people say, you know, were you afraid? No, I was afraid in Newark. (laughs) In Israel, you know who's got the guns. They're all carrying them. Okay, it's no big deal. In Newark, you're not really sure. Okay, so, but there's not a fear. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, we looked at this. We are free of all men, of the rules and the traditions. We've got to grab this stuff, people. I really wish we would understand and live in light of this. Uh, Fourth thing, Romans chapter 6, verse 7. This is the one that gets me in trouble. I am free from sin. I'm free from sin, okay, as a child of God. First, knowing that I'm free from sin means that it's condemnation. It's condemnation. I'm free of that, okay? Have you ever seen Christians walking around feeling guilty about stuff? Okay, you know what what they're proving? Well, at least they haven't read chapter 6 of Romans. Why? Because I'm free of it. What guilt do I carry? What guilt does a Christian carry? You better not carry any. Why? Because if you're carrying guilt, then you're saying your standard of righteousness is higher than God's. And God says, it's forgiven. Which one? All of it. All of it. How can you carry guilt? And yet, how many do? But not only am I freed from its condemnation... I'm also free from its control. Um, Sin cannot require anything from me. Did you know that? The debt's paid. The debt to sin has been paid. It's paid in full. Colossians says it was nailed to the cross. Now, I want to be clear about this. I'm not free from its presence. But I am free from its power. We've got to get a hold of that. Sin no longer has authority over the child of God. You give it authority. And you know what you just did? I'm not worried about being holy anymore. I'm more worried about what? Me. And that's the only thing. And I, and I really wish that we could grab a hold of this. That the saints of God would understand this. I, it doesn't master us. And yet, how many Christians want to go back into bondage of sin? Listen, that goes all the way back to the little problem with the fruit. Do we all remember that? Long time ago. Okay? If you eat of this, you will what? 
Noah's God. That was the deception. I see Christians today who want to study their Bible believing they will what? Noah's God. You can't do it. You can't do it. Why? Then you have a life of faith. And so what we try to do, we take that motive and it literally can raise itself up and become sin and master us. I asked you a question. What can you do to make yourself more holy? And ain't a person in this room has to try. I won't try. Why? Well, listen, if you could make yourself holy, then you didn't really need to be saved. All you just need to do is read your Bible earlier. Do you see how that works? And yet I have the ability... Now as a child of God, that I don't have condemnation, nor Lord has control, but it does still in, in, is around me. Okay? Um, I'm free from religious rules, I call them. That would be Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, and Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to go to the Galatians text, but Colossians chapter 2.20 says the same thing. But the Galatians text, um, chapter 4, verse 3, says this. While we were children, we were held in bondage under the, this translation says, elemental, elemental things of the world. Um, rudimentary or teachings or principles is, is probably the literal translation. And literally what it is, is all the regulations that you see out of Leviticus and Numbers um, and, and all the stuff that you see. You know, one of the things that uh, I was remember Leviticus and it said that God says, I don't want you to wear cotton and wool together. And I thought, you know, thou shalt not murder makes sense. Cotton and wool? <laughs> What's up with that? Okay, but then if I take that in light of the Lord's outline for prayer, He says, give us this day what? Our daily bread. He says, I want you to be what? A life of dependence on me. At a point of desperation. Okay, so when I read that, I don't have the religious things. You know, people ask me why I wear a suit. Okay, well, if you're, if you're so free, why do you wear a suit? Because you know what? Some people will come into a body of believers and they will want to see the pastor dressed how? In a suit. Some of you know me. If you're here on my Wednesday night Bible study, you're almost afraid what you might find me wearing. Okay, but I also know that on Wednesday night are the spiritual people. Just kidding, lighten up, people. He, he, he. Okay, but why? I have a bigger opportunity with a suit on than I don't. Okay, plus everybody gives me ties for Christmas and I got to do something with them. But, but do you understand that kind of stuff? So it's, it's stuff like that. I'm free from the law. I am free from pleasing God by externals. That's freedom of the law. I'm free from the curse. The penalty of sin in my life, in a child of God's life, has been paid. I have no fear of death. I have been freed from the fear of death. Have you ever, you, you don't think that the fear of death isn't a big issue? Why do we have so many health clubs? Okay, what are they afraid of? You're telling me that they do that for what reason? I live longer. I, I skied on Wednesday first time this year. 
And on Thursday, I didn't feel like I was going to live longer. <laughs> and I was, what did I do wrong? My body's not supposed to hurt this way. Okay? But we do that. Why? Now, listen, I'm not against exercise. That's not what I'm saying. But if I spend more time exercising than I do falling in love with Jesus, Houston, you have a problem. Okay? Again, it's like I, I, I told you when my buddy asked me, he says, how much energy did you put into your life before Christ? How much energy do you put into Christ now? And am I willing to do that? So anyway, I'm also free from the sin's power. Okay? But I'm also free from human regulations on religion. Okay? That which makes people self-righteous. Okay? I see it all over the place. It manifests itself all over the place. It can come in the form of, uh, I'm not here to pick on people. Christian counseling, uh, the prayer of, uh, what's that guy's name? Jabez, uh, 40 days of wonder or purpose. Uh, purpose, right? Uh, I'm going to write a book. Mine's going to be 400 year cycles of God. Do this for 400 years, you'll be fine. Okay? Oh, by the way, you need to be afraid of death because you need to exercise to last that long. But anyway, uh, but do you see, it's stuff like that. What do we do with that? If I do this, what's going to happen? Well, I know what the prayer of Jabez is. Your boundaries will be expanded. Well, what does that mean? I, I could end up fat. <laughs> I mean, my boundaries were expanded. What does that mean? Look. He looks like a Baptist preacher. No. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Erase that, would you? But it's stuff like that that we really got to pay attention to. Why? I'm going to do this. 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 And what's going to happen? You're going to wake up mad. Okay? You've seen them. I have to be handing out tracts. I have to be evangelizing. I have to be doing this. Anybody here afraid of evangelizing? I'm afraid of evangelizing. I don't like evangelizing. But I see people do it all the time. They're handing it out and they're, they're mad about it. And I keep thinking, they'll definitely want what you got. Okay, but you see this stuff like that that I watch it on a constant. I'm free from that. I'm free from that. I went skiing with these people. Uh, they work with my wife on Wednesday. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I used to have a passion for skiing. And, and I knew the conditions were going to be phenomenal because they were supposed to got some really, they did, man. It was some good skiing. But I, I didn't really want to go. I didn't really want to go. And, and, and yet these people were kind of expecting it and all the rest of it. And so all I did is, as, as I've, I've been studying Joshua, I looked at Joshua and I said, Lord, go before me and make the door open. You know what? God opened this big old door. I could have drove a demo, demo, uh, semi-truck through it sideways. And, and the people and, and the fellowship and the, and the drawing and the throwing of seeds and all the other stuff that we call it. Okay? And there was some good skiing. Okay? But you really wouldn't think about riding up with a bunch of yahoos or skiing on a mountain as, as a perfect place to share Christ. And yet we do it everywhere. Why? Because he becomes our life. We are a living sacrifice, which means that I'm not a living sacrifice on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay? We're free from all of that. It comes to us from God. It belongs to all Christians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 for you were called to freedom, brethren. Okay? But in this text, he's, he gives the same statement that he's dealing with in, in 8, 9, 10, 11, 1 of Corinthians. Here's what he says. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Read the rest of it. 
but through love serve one another. If I want to keep my freedom from becoming an opportunity for my flesh, how should I do it? In overwhelming love, serve who? Serve one another. Why do people stay out of church? I like church. Why? Because there are people there who have a supernatural capability of loving and they serve people. I like that. I think that's a good plan. How many people go to church for what they can get? Do they have this ministry or this ministry or this thing or contemporary or traditional or whatever? I don't know. Somebody sits around and thinks up these cool names. Uh, Which of these do they do? Do they have something for single people? Do they have something for divorced people? Do they have recovering alcoholics class? So you can get that people saved. Um, do they have, you know, what do they have? But it says, if I want to overcome my flesh, so it doesn't start driving the bus. Remember what Paul said in, uh, in the conclusion of chapter 9, 1, Thess- or 1 Corinthians? I buffet my body to make it My slave. If I go into the church saying my body desires this, guess what? You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Okay, look what he says here. Let your freedom, be careful with your freedom, enjoy it. Okay, but I want to show you something here because I want you to back up. Because here's what happens. We literally can take, listening to what you've heard in these last few weeks, you can literally say, I'm not going to do this, 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 because I'm going to cause other people to stumble, and I want to give my flesh a chance, and and all this other stuff. And so we end up, what do you end up being? A real cranky person. Yeah, I'm going to be a monk. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom... That Christ set us free. We love that, right? Yes, it was free. I'm free in Christ. I'm a new creation. Therefore, uh uh-oh, what does that mean? Because Christ set you free, what does it say? Keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to the yoke of what? Slavery. You know what that means? You have a freedom. You had better fight for it. Okay? How many times you ever seen a legalist, legalist move into a group? And the whole group becomes legalist. Why? Well, I'm supposed to submit to that, brother. I'm supposed to, you know, not cause them to stumble. That ain't what that text says. It says, stand firm where? In your freedom. Stand fast. Keep, it literally, in the air it says, it keeps standing firm. Don't get entangled in the yoke of slavery again. Don't go back into that place again. Be subject. Don't subject yourself to it. Chapter 2, verse 4, book of Galatians says this. Whoops. Because of false brethren secretly brought in who have sneaked in to spy on our liberty or freedom, which we have in Christ, in order to bring us into bondage. Got that? You know what that is? That's people who will come in and want to be your buddy. I call them the friends of the church. 
All right? And they are, they're out on the cursory. They're out on the edge. And they're all standing there like this. Well, I have been studying the Bible since conception of time and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been to Bible college and school and professor of this and that and the other. And I'm standing here like this. But what about this? And what about this? What about this? Why? They're spying out a child of God's freedom so that they can put that child of God into bondage. Let me make you afraid of death. Let me make you afraid of the curse of the law. Let me make you afraid of not keeping the regulations and ordinances that God has pinned down. These are God's words. How can you not be tithing? I can't believe you're not tithing. What did you just do? They backed up the Pharisee dump truck on you. And that's, let me tell you something. Those of you who know my, my life, where I came from, I thought for sure that my ministry would be with scooter trash, uh, drug dealers, and, and some stuff like that. Okay? You know where God put me? You know one of the main pinpoint points of combat that I deal with? Religious people. People who had a profession of faith probably longer than I am old. And I'd give anything to have the scooter trash and the drug dealers and the harlots because they're easier. Um, Why? They all have it figured out and they want you to do what they're doing. Why? Because they're miserable and they want a whole group of miserable people. Do you understand that? You know, when I was 20 years old, I was bringing in a little over half a million dollars a year. Now, this is in 79. No, 78. Okay? So that would be in $78. That's a lot of money. I had a Corvette and two condos and was doing fine. I'm freer now in the Lord Jesus Christ than I ever was then. And yet, I run into people on a consistent basis who want to handcuff me. And I have a phobia over handcuffs. Well, I do. If you don't, you should. (laughs) Why do we want to do that? Why? The Jesuitizers had come into the Galatian area and said, you know what? We love the fact that you Gentiles are getting saved because we come in and spied on you. You're getting saved. We like that. We think that's great. You should be circumcised. Why? It's the ordinance of Moses. Moses spoke for God. You need to be doing this. Paul says, Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Okay? What you began in the spirit, you now perfect in the flesh. And that's the main issue that he's dealing with in that text. You're going to do an external that will make you more internally holy? Right. Lanny's going to be a cardiologist. And I think you ought to do uh, heart transplants, bud. Take the heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. Should be a piece of cake. Okay? And then that's what we'll do. We'll have big ministry. We have the heart transplants, the Holy Spirit thing going on. All right? But I I want us to show you... This... Look at verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5. Galatians. Okay, he gets into it, verse 3, he says, But not even Titus, who was with me, though he as a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. 
He says, Titus understood that this external ain't going to do anything. Verse 4, but was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who have sneaked in to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. Now watch what the Apostle Paul says. But we did not yield in subjection to them, and I love this next phrase, for even an hour. I like that. You're not going to get me into legalism for one minute, dude. Why? Who's the greatest legalist that ever walked the planet before his conversion? Paul. And he says, I know what it does. I know what its fruit is. I am not for one hour going to succumb to such nonsense. How many in this room have succumbed to such nonsense? Let me show you something. Read the rest of that text. Okay? He says, We did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour. Why? Why were you willing to stand so firm, Paul, that the truth of the gospel would remain with you? You know what happens when you are busy in your external? Lost people look at it and think that that is true salvation. And Paul says, That isn't the gospel. He says, even if an angel preaches another and they are an anathema, they are cursed. And he says, you can have all of the external. You can have the little fishy bumper stickers and the crosses hanging from your mirrors. And you can do all them other things. And people are going to look at you and say, that's Christianity. And Paul's saying, no, it ain't. And don't succumb to it for an hour. And it literally means no, any time frame. Don't let it take place. Why? Because you're literally taking and you're corrupting the gospel. I showed you what the gospel was. I showed you what your freedom is. <clears throat> Paul says, I want the truth of the gospel to continue with you. If you give up your freedom all the time, needlessly. Listen, there's times when I'm around an infant in Christ. I will give up my freedom. Why? To draw them. To strengthen them. If I'm around a lost person, I'll give up my freedom. Why? That I may add them to the kingdom. Paul's already dealt with that. We've already looked at this. I don't want you to miss this. But if I'm always giving it up needlessly to ritual, to form, to ceremony, to tradition, people will confuse what the truth of the gospel is. They will literally start looking at it as works. If you identify your Christianity by all the things you do and you don't do, then people will think that's what Christianity is. Okay? People say, well, do you have your morning devotions, your morning prayer times, and da 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 No. Well, how can you? Piece of cake. Why? I'm going to pray without ceasing, and when I'm not reading the Bible, I'm meditating on the thing. Okay, why? It's always in my brain, going through, being regurgitated, digested, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Why? It's all the time. It's not a matter of, I need to stop this to do this. And that's the difference. He says, don't let it be this do's and don'ts. Well, you know, I think women should have this long hair and they should wear this cut. I can't believe a woman would wear pants to church. I don't know, it's eight degrees out. I can't believe they'd wear a skirt. That seems goofy. Okay? But it's stuff like that. that we, we, I watch us. Hold on to your freedom, Paul says. Wait a minute, preacher. When Paul went to Jerusalem, 
he had that little Jewish vow thing that came out that he had to do with a couple of the guys there at the church in Jerusalem. How's come? Isn't that a Jewish ceremony? Paul's a free man. He's writing this stuff. Okay? Listen, Paul, this is the key. Paul would give up his freedom. He would give up his liberty when it was necessary to reach the people that he was dealing with at the time. Okay? If he was dealing with a group of legalists, he was a legalist. Was Jerusalem a group of legalists? Okay? When he was dealing with the Judaizers um, and they were hassling Paul about the Gentiles, forget it. You're not going to get Paul to do it. You ain't going to do it. Why? You're not going to say, well, you've got to act this way or you're not what? Uh, we in the leadership of this church, actually I in the leadership of this church, have been through some stuff here in the last few months. Okay? Uh, some accusations, some weird stuff has just kind of bounced out of left field. Anyway, uh, Matt is an intern right now, and he came to me one day, and we were dealing with it, and we've been praying together and, 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 and trusting one another. And he looked at me and says, how in the heck do you stay above reproach? I just smiled at him and said, it's impossible. Why? Because somebody will have a rule or a regulation or something that they believe you need to do. I literally had a guy one time say, well, I don't want you to preach because you've got a beard. Fine. <laughs> okay? You can't. Above reproach is according to God's standard. And where does God look? At the heart. Accusations come from where? And it's definitely people who don't know the heart. Okay? If you don't know the heart, don't make an accusation. Okay? But we're in that season. We're in that season. I mean, I, I, I look at what just happened at CU, and what was that all about? Other than a bunch of lawyers got a lot of money. I don't understand what that was about. I mean, you know, they said, well, you know, the, you got drinking and sex. It's college. I mean, it just happened? I was in, never mind. Anyway, but it's stuff like that we've got to pay attention to. All right? So it says that the elders above reproach. What does that mean? According to God's standard, who looks upon the heart, do you stand with a clear conscience? No problem. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at in Galatians. Why? You have this freedom, but I want you to understand something about this freedom. Yes, there's times where I check my freedom. I'll leave it. Okay? I have freedom to do this, but you know what? I'm not going to do this right now. Why? Because this person needs to be strengthened. God has brought this person into my life. I will strengthen this person. If you're going into a place that the people don't know Christ and you're going in there, then you had better walk above reproach by their standard. You know, and you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do that, nothing. That's fine, no problem. Why? You're reaching the lost. But I tell you what, if you've got people trying to blend in rituals, you blend in ceremonies, well, I believe you should do this, or I think you should be doing this, or I think you should be doing this, don't you cash out your freedom? Because people around will start saying, is that what Christianity is? Now listen, when he was working with the Jews, okay, and it was just the Jews, you know, he ordered Timothy to be sac- uh, circumcised? Sacrificed. <laughs> T- Timothy probably thought it was. <laughs> okay? You want me to what? <laughs> I want the Gentiles, Paul. But you know, there's two things that I think about that. 
he says, I want Timothy, I want you to have a greater door open for opportunity into what peoples? To the Jews. Okay? You know what freaks me out about that one? The obedience of Timothy. You know, I started this message out with, you know, people complained about baptism. Let me give you another one. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? But we are warned. Don't let your freedom control you. Okay? If you ever give up your freedom needlessly, people will confuse your gospel. Okay? And that literally at that point in time, it will restrain the gospel. And that's horrible because we're in a society that needs it. I want to conclude this thing. I need, I need you guys to understand something. We are part of the Southern Baptist denomination. But I need to share with you. I'm not here to make you Baptist. I'm not here to make you a Southern Baptist, a Northern or whatever, American. Or, I don't, that's, not, that's not my what I'm here for. And if anybody's trying to do that for you right now, Paul says you don't even let them do that for one minute. Not one minute. Why? I'm not here for a denomination. Christian, your freedom comes from God. It is received through the gospel. And it is defined as free from the curse, the law, the fear of death, and traditions of men. It belongs to every single Christian. But don't abuse it. That's chapter 10. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word. Father, in the freedom that you have given us from eternity past. And Lord, may we, may we not abandon it needlessly. But Father, may we be sensitive to those that you grace us with, whether they be lost or for the strengthening of a saint. Father, may we guard ourselves. Father, I pray for these people and myself. Lord, that the passions of our soul would be personal holiness. That we may be used abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And yet, Father, that comes through the the refiner's fire. And Father, may we go through that eagerly, gracefully, joyfully, and in the power of the ages. Father, I just praise you for freedom. I praise you for your gospel. And Father, let me nor any of these people be guilty of covering it with an external. And Father, it is an internal, eternal work done by you. We thank you and praise you for this time. In Christ's precious name, amen.